Chapter 27 of Secretary Hawkins in Cuba. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Secretary Hawkins in Cuba by Secretary Hawkins. Trapped. Hawkins, Hawkins. It was Link's voice calling me. He had heard me. Tell me began to bark wildly in the dark passage where we stood. The next instant he had bounded back on me and knocked me down. I grabbed his shaggy hide and held on for all I was worth. Go on, old fellow, I said to him. You've got to take me to your skinny master. I felt the dog's tongue licking the back of my hand, and he was whining as though he was glad he had found me again as though he wanted to tell me something. Go on, boy, I urged. Take me to Link. Holding on to his shaggy neck, I trotted with him down the passage. My fear had left me. I felt certain now that I would find Link, and I believed that the ruffians back in the gallery had forgotten all about me by this time. Tell me stop. I called to Link again and was surprised to hear him answer me close by. Here, Hawkins, he called. There is a spring on the wall out there that opens this door. See if you can find it quick. I had no light. My flashlight had been burned out the night we had spent in the caverns under Casanova's rocks, and I could not see a single ray of light shining through the wall anywhere. I put my hand up and felt along the stony sides of the passage. I could feel a very thin and even crack. I passed my fingers along until it turned to the right, and then down on the other side. I've found the door, Link, I called, but I can't see a thing out here. It only opens from the outside, answered Link. There's a spring somewhere. Try it again. If I had thought that the sound of our voices would have been heard, I suppose I might have gone about this business with more care. It was Telmy's growl that first warned me that someone was coming our way. I slid back away from the door and backed against the opposite wall, whispering to Telmy to be quiet as I dragged him with me. And I had just moved in time, for the flash of a lantern came down the passage and the sound of a heavy footfall. The next minute, I saw in the dim glare of the lantern, which he carried, the fat bulk of Uncle Raphael. I tried to think quickly of a way to escape, but Telmy barked, and the lantern was raised and the light flashed upon us. Ah, exclaimed Uncle Raphael, you have come to see your playfellow, yes? That is nice. Such nice little boys. Wait, don't try to go that way. You may never come back. I had started to back away from him and was about to dart into a side passage that the lantern light had revealed. That is a very evil chamber in there, continued Uncle Raphael, smiling. It has a stepping off place into a shark's nest. No, no, don't go that way. Come, I'll let you in to see your American friend. I shivered as I thought of that stepping off place into a pool where sharks fed. 
and I knew that Uncle Raphael was telling the truth. Telmy sat on his haunches, but he growled continuously. I saw Uncle Raphael lift his arm and touch the wall with his hand. There came a peculiar sound, as of a spring unwinding, and something was moving upward. It was a block of stone that fitted into an opening and served as a door. Valdez had told me that there were such things in the old days when pirates used these caves for hiding places, and I knew that I was about to look into one of the torture chambers that were built centuries ago. The stone block continued to rise until it had made an opening about four feet high. Then the whirring noise stopped, and Uncle Raphael held the lantern above the opening. Now, he said, you go first. But Telmy sprang in ahead of me and began to bark. I followed. Uncle Raphael squeezed his fat form through the opening behind me, and I stood as in a dream, looking at a very strange sight. The place was lighted by an odd-shaped brass lamp, like the one I had seen in the big chamber under the gallery. It was a square-cut room, like a cell, and high up in the wall opposite were small square holes, like little windows, about a dozen of them, through which the smoke from the lamp was escaping to the outer air. The light in the cell was so dim at first that I could hardly see, but Link yelled, Hawkins, as soon as I entered, and then I saw him, poor kid chained to the wall. The sound of his chains as he stretched his arms to me brought back to my mind the rattle of chains we had heard before. So, my dear nephew, Uncle Raphael was saying, I bring you a companion and good news besides. We have just had the honor of a visit from your father and his friends and they are safely locked in where they will never see the light again. He grinned at Link and waited to see what effect his words would have on the poor boy. Link stared at him, but he did not speak. From the look on his face, I knew that he was terribly frightened. As for myself, I was so excited and my mind was whirling around so fast that I did not realize fully just what was in store for us. Now it is finished, continued Uncle Raphael. That is what comes of treasure seeking. You folks should have stayed in the villa and not poked your noses in my affairs. But it is as well that you did. For now, I will be rid of all of you and I can enjoy life again in the villa. Why do you keep him a prisoner? I asked suddenly. What has that boy done to you? You have no right. I have all the right. Here, broke in Uncle Raphael with that same evil on his lips. When people go into strange places, they should know what to expect. Soon your troubles will all be over. But rest easy, no sharks will be able to get you. For the last time, my dear nephew, I bid you farewell. He backed out of the little opening. I tried to follow him. He shoved me in, 
just as the whirring sound began, and I saw him dodge out as the block of stone began to move downward, closing the hole in the wall. We were alone, both of us too stunned to talk. All of a sudden, I realized our danger. Link, I said, what is to be done? They've got my pop locked up somewhere, he said, as though he did not hear my question. I told him quickly how it all happened, how they had sprung upon us from behind and taken Lucio, Valdez, Doc Waters, and Mr. Lambert prisoners. Link listened quietly. Then he said, There is a girl here, Hawkins. She wrote that note for me. She comes to fill the lamp and brings me food. She will help us. My heart leaped with a new hope. When will she come? I asked. Link shook his head. I don't know, he said, but she will be here. I am hungry. I know she will be here soon with some food. We sat there on the stone floor, and Link told me how he had been caught by Raphael's men when Telmy had led him to these caves, how the girl had come in bringing food and fresh oil for the lamp, how she had taken pity upon him because he was a boy and made him tell her his story. Then Link had suggested that they trust the dog to get a message back to our boat, and the girl consented to help him and wrote the note, placed it in her purse, fastened around the dog's neck, and turned him loose. She would gladly have set Link free, but alas, those chains were strongly made and cunningly fastened. I, in turn, told Link of the dog's return to the boat, of our finding the note, just as we were about to set out in search. We talked a long while, and then I got up and examined the place. There was no possible way of escape. The only openings were the little square holes far above us. But even as I looked, I heard a slight noise behind the side wall to which Link was chained. I looked and saw an opening being made by fragments of crumbling stone being displaced. A face shone through the small opening, a white, pale, frightened face. Little boy, came in a whisper, are you asleep? No, replied Link, leaping up and going as close to the hole in the wall as his chains would permit. Oh, it is you. I've been waiting for you to come and fill the lamp, little girl. Oh, it is you. And I'm hungry. You know you haven't brought me food since yesterday. The little pale face peering through the opening looked sad. No, she said, they won't let me go anywhere now. They've shut me up in here, right next to you. And they've put my chains on me again, too. See? She held up her wrists, and we heard the sound of her chains. Oh, she continued catching sight of me. There's another little boy. It's only Hawkins, said Link. He's my best friend. He's going to help me get out of here. The girl did not seem to hear. She was gazing back into her own cell. Suddenly, she turned her face to us again. Listen, she whispered. Water is coming in this place. We all listened. By Jove, in our cell too, water was coming in somewhere. I could hear it trickling down the wall. And looking up, I saw the dull glare from the lamp 
reflected on the glistening wall, and I said, It's coming in those small windows up there. It must be raining hard. Perhaps there is a storm. The girlish face left the opening. I heard the chains clank upon the stone floor, and then the sound of her weeping. Good Lord, Link, I said. I must get you out of those chains, and that girl too. This place will be full of water in a short while. That is not rain, as I thought. These are the old torture chambers Valdez was telling us about. They used to drown people in here. That's what they're going to do to us. Look, see how it continues to run down the walls. They've turned on the water, and we'll have to work fast now. Already the floor along the wall was covered with an inch of water. I grasped the iron cuffs by which the chains were fastened to Link's wrists, but I gave up hope at the first glance. We sat there in silence, listening to the water trickling down the walls and the soft weeping of our poor little next-door neighbor. I wondered if Lucio and Doc and the others were in the same fix as we were. I imagined so. Raphael wanted us all out of the way. He had this planned for us long ago. He would fix up some story to explain our disappearance to anyone that might ask. He was bound to get possession of Casanova Plantation, Villa and all. He had succeeded in finding the treasure. Hunting for that was the only thing that had kept him away from us so long. Now that he had found the gems, he had begun to try to get us out of the way. Oh, the terror of that silent waiting while the water trickled through those little windows. Gradually, I felt the dampness creeping closer to us, and we had to stand up. I don't remember what Link and I said to each other. I've forgotten. Our minds were on one thing, and that was to save our lives and that of the little girl if we possibly could. I remember that when the water reached to my ankles, I grew wildly excited and went splashing around, trying to find some way to raise that block of stone that closed the opening through which I had entered. But it was useless. The spring was worked only on the outside. Anyone locked in was a prisoner without hope of escaping. The little pale face peered into our cell again. The water is nearly up to my knees she said in a frightened whisper. Cheer up, little girl, I said. It will soon stop raining, and then the water will have a chance to go out again. I still wanted her to think that it was raining, and that we would get out of this terrible fix all right. Link stood like a statue, silent and eyes staring. But I could not stand still. I moved about and slushed through the water. I tried to figure out how it was arranged that the water was turned into these cells through the little windows. I tried to keep my mind off of the thought of how it would feel when the water rose above my chin. But I had to think of it. I wondered if I would be able to swim around as the water got deep enough. If I could do that, and in that way raise myself to the little windows above and get a hold up there, I would be safe for the water would not rise above the row of little windows. But there was Link, chained. He would be held down. He would not be able to get up. 
And then I prayed. I fell upon my knees there in that watery cell and prayed to God to save us from this terrible torture. And I never prayed so earnestly in my life. Link saw me kneeling, and he knelt down beside me and said, Pray out loud, Hawkins. And I started, Our Father who art in heaven. And as I did so, the little girl began to pray along. And when we came to and deliver us from all evil, Link said, Amen. We got up, not minding our wet clothes. Nothing mattered now. None of us seemed to know what we were doing from then on. Tommy began to get uneasy about the water and was dashing here and there and splashing right and left. Finally, to add to our worries, the lamp went out and we were in almost pitch dark except for the little light that entered the small windows above. In groping about, my hand came upon the little hole in the wall that the girl had made. I pulled and tugged and finally got one stone loose, big enough to begin to pound with. I realized now that these cells had all been built in the cavern. These partitions were stone and mortar, crumbling with age. Yet even in their old age, they held tight, and I found my pounding upon them with the stone I had forced loose made little headway. I tried the other wall that shut us off from the outer passage, but it would not work. So I just kept on pounding with that stone upon the wall, hoping that somebody had remained behind who would have enough pity to save us from that awful place. Then Tommy began to bark and nothing would stop him. He seemed to understand the danger. I began to yell at the top of my voice in the hope that somebody would come and help us out. And I knew then that I was beginning to get nervous. I even imagined that someone was calling Hawkins somewhere outside. I kept on making the racket and tell me continued barking. But my arm grew tired and I slowed up. What was that? The racket still continued. Tell me stopped barking. But the pounding, no, it was outside. No, no, it was in the little girl's cell. Hawkins, Hawkins, it was somebody calling. By Jove, I had not imagined it. No, it came again. Hawkins, Hawkins. Yes, it was Will Standish calling. Good old Will. And I heard other voices while the heavy pounding as of sledgehammers filled us with new courage. The little girl screamed as she pressed her face against the hole in the wall. Somebody is breaking through, she cried. They are hammering down the wall over here. Good boy, I yelled. Come on, Will. Link, listen. It's Will Standish, and he's bringing somebody to help us out. End of chapter 27